Welcome back to another episode of Confessions of a Crabby Christian, a Misfit Media Network production. I am your host and resident crappy Christian, Blake, and every week I get to have the coolest conversations with incredible people about all the things most Christians are still not sure we're allowed to talk about. So if you've been looking for a place to land with all your crap and for someone to just be honest about what it looks like to walk through this Christian life, well, you've come to the right place. Pull up a seat, pop in your headphones and tune out your kids and come hang out with me and a guest for the authentic conversations that you have been looking for. Christine, welcome to Confessions of a Crappy Christian. Thank you so much, Blake. I'm so excited to be here. We had some technical difficulties, but we forged through and we figured it out, which almost always means it's going to be one of my best interviews and like really impactful. It's going to be awesome. (laughs) Because the the enemy works through technology, I swear. Like internet issues, sound issues. I'm like, oh, that means that this conversation needs to happen even more. So your book, The Kindred Life, comes out in like a week. You have to be so excited slash nervous. Yes. Both of those things. I was just telling you earlier, I have just butterflies in my stomach all the time right now but I'm super excited. I've I've been working on this project since 2019. So almost three years in the making. Um, I've been imagining this book for way longer than that. So yeah, I am so excited to get in people's hands. So tell us a little bit about it. Tell us what like kind of your heart and your message are. Yeah. The Kindred Life. I'm a farmer at Kindred Farm in Santa Fe, Tennessee. So we named our farm Kindred. Um, I've just always loved that word. It means tribe or family. And we just knew from the beginning that we wanted people to feel a deep connection when they came to our land and that our land was given to us by God to be shared in really special ways, like gathering people around the table. So that's why I love the word kindred. And so when um, I had the opportunity to write the book, that was just the title. I just knew from the very beginning that it would be because it's the kindred life is my transformation story of how I've been finding a life of deeper connection to the land, to community, and to the life around the table. But it's also an inspiration guide and just a rallying cry for connection for people to live a deeper life of connection wherever they are. So I really want it to be something. This isn't just, the kindred life isn't just on a farm in Tennessee. This is like in your home, in your backyard, in your living room. I've lived in an urban setting. I've lived in suburbia and now I'm on a farm, but this is a way of life that I've learned through so many years of being a different setting. So it has 10 recipes included, which is super fun. Yeah. They're rustic, doable, like how I cook in my own home and really meant to be shared with people around your table in like just an authentic, imperfect ways in yeah. real ways. And then I included journaling and discussion prompts too. So that's fun. So people can like, yeah, do them in book clubs. And yeah, absolutely. I think one, I know one of the things that you talk about a lot is kind of the idea that we're more like quote unquote connected than ever via the internet and technology, but man, we are so disconnected from our lives. And we kind of started talking about this before we started recording and before the, the technology (laughs) was against us this, you know, I've been posting recently and kind of been on my own personal journey of redefining success. And what is really the dream? Is it more money and more toys? Mm -hmm. Or is it like more being present in my life? Or is it a balance of the two? Is one wrong or right? Or is it wrong or right for different people? And so Mm -hmm. this conversation comes at a really 
timely place for me personally, where I think like a lot of us, I have been caught up in this, the American dream and the, the consumption and accumulation versus Mm -hmm. the experiencing. And we're really kind of as a family making that shift, but yours is a pretty drastic, like from suburbia music industry to living on a farm. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. Well, first of all, I love that you're doing that. And I was so inspired when you shared about that. I'd love to talk more, but yeah, I grew up in like suburban New Jersey, an Italian American neighborhood. I did not grow up farming. My mom, you know, made our yard beautiful with flowers and plants and things like that. And I loved natural beauty. My Italian grandfather immigrated through Ellis Island and he died when I was two, but he turned his entire backyard into a tomato garden and like manually farmed it. And so I'm just like, I know this is in my blood, yeah. <laughs> but it's not something I ever did growing up. But I went to, I left New Jersey, went to college in Nashville and studied music business. So I was worked in the music, Christian and country music industry for like seven or eight years. Then I transitioned to working for an Africa relief nonprofit, which was really beautiful. I got to travel to India and Africa. And then in the middle of there, I met my husband, Stephen. So we were living in Dallas at the time. After I met him, I moved to Dallas and kind of in the middle of working for the Africa Relief Nonprofit, we started to get interested in the local food movement in Dallas. So we saw the documentary Food Inc. I don't know Mm -hmm. if you've seen that one. I think Mm -hmm. it came out in 2009 and it just shook everything up. You know, it just really brought to light the, the problems in the food industry and how just organic farmers are really struggling. And so, you know, it, it just really lit a fire in both of us of like, how can we do something about this? And now that we knew that we just couldn't unknow that information. (laughs) Yeah. hundred percent. You know, when you get to that place, no matter what it is, you're like, okay, I have to do something about this. And so we just like, we didn't know what to do, but find our local farmers. So we looked up what local farmers live near us. And we started like loading up a cooler in the back of my Volkswagen rabbit hatchback and driving the back roads of Texas on Saturday mornings. So we didn't have kids yet. And this was just something we like escaped the concrete jungle and drove into the country. And it was just so peaceful and beautiful. And we looked forward to it every week. And then connect with the farmers face-to-face, learn from them and just started bringing back coolers full of like sweet potatoes with the dirt still on them and fresh cheeses and like loading up with the sourdough bread. And my husband's a chef. And so we've always loved gathering people just um, around our table in our home and making meals with them. And so we just started bringing people in and like cooking all the fun farm fresh goods with them. And then it just led to them asking to bring back stuff for them. And so we ended up starting an organic produce co-op out of this. And we grew it from 17 families to 2,300 families in Dallas, Fort Worth. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So that was our labor of love there. We ended up starting a quarter acre urban farm. So we like to say we farmed on concrete, which we did. Yeah. We had an organic cafe and market um, in Dallas. So, and then meanwhile, we started gardening our own backyard, just growing our own little garden. Um, We started with like a single tomato plant in Mm -hmm. our little corner of our backyard in urban Dallas. And that's really where I started to learn the beauty of growing things. And I thought I had a black thumb. I didn't realize I could grow food. Yeah. But, you know, I wrote a lot about this in my book just because starting small was such a key part of the process. And I think it's what 
holds so many people up from making a big change because we're like, I don't know how to do that. There's no way in heck I can do that. I harvested a tomato. Like I actually grew this and then you eat it and share it with people. Yeah. That's kind of how that, that started. And at the end of 2015, we just big change was coming. We knew it was time to sell our business. And I wanted to return to Nashville where I had lived in college and we were looking for our own land to start Kindred Farm. So that was our intention when we came to Tennessee. So, but this whole thing really came out of one simple yes. Mm-hmm. Like it came yes. this, all of this came from y'all driving out to the country, mm-hmm. caring about a cause, investing yeah. and connecting in it and bringing people with you. Like, yeah, because it yeah. does feel so overwhelming. Like I have a mm-hmm. conversation of sustainability and, and self, you know, sustenance online all the time mm-hmm. because it is overwhelming. Like and I don't, this doesn't even have to be, have to be a conspiracy theory conversation. You don't need to be talking no. about food plants exploding, which is happening or food shortages, which is happening. Yeah. Like I live in Louisiana and we have hurricanes and sometimes you can't leave your house for days on a time and you don't have power. What would you do in that? Mm-hmm. Could you be okay? And mm-hmm. that really stresses people out. I think because they think they need to buy a farm and harvest it. Yeah, I, I totally agree. It can be so overwhelming when you look way too far down the line right. of all the things, you know, um, I mean, we're sustainable regenerative farmers and we don't grow every single thing on our farm. You know, mm-hmm. we buy things from other farms. We go to the grocery store too. Mm-hmm. But I think it is like going back to what you said, it is just about saying yes. The moments that we grow are in those small moments, mm-hmm. the small moments when we're like, I'm going to choose right now to make a change and I'm going to do something about it. Yeah. And it's usually just a small yes. It's like, okay, I'm going to, we're this Saturday, we're going to this farm. Yeah. And then when we get there, we're going to actually talk to face to face to a farmer and we're going to learn from them, you know? And I think most of the time it starts with people and that's what kindred is about. It's like relationship is the core of everything we do. Yes. It starts with people and that is how we're wired. We're wired for connection and for face to face connection. So like what you were saying at the beginning, like we feel like we're so connected these days, you know, we have online friends and all these people we feel are friends that we've never even met. And I think there is an element of connection you can have online. Like you can meet really great people, Absolutely, but there's just, there's no replacement no. for sitting down and having a meal with someone There's not shaking their hands, standing on their land, being in their home. Well, and I love something that you said when you were kind of defining kindred in the beginning, you said or or you were talking about your farm, you said it is land to be shared. Mm -hmm. You don't Mm -hmm. have to have land to share your land. It's very true. Yeah. The amount of land that we have on this Mm -hmm. house that we built is like, like, it's like I can reach arm to arm and be touching both ends of Mm -hmm. my yard because we wanted a small yard. But the heart behind us building this house was welcoming people into it. So no, maybe we don't harvest it farm to table, Mm -hmm. but like you can still be doing all of these things. And I think you Mm -hmm. hit the nail on the head when you said so many people are looking too far down the road. Yeah. That like in every coaching, every course I offer, I see that over and over, regardless of if it's wanting to grow something, wanting to connect more, wanting to start a business, whatever it is, Mm -hmm. people are looking at Z thinking they should be there because other people are there. And it's like, yo, you haven't even done a yet. Yeah. Like let's, let's rein it in a little bit. And so it may look like for us, 
my husband and I just started going to a farmer's market I once love a it. week. We're going to a farmer's market and we're buying whatever we need that we can get there. Like you said, we're having conversations with these people. Like yeah. we're, we're, our first step is smaller than your first step even was. Cause we're not even driving out to the farm, but like, it's a first step and it's a simple yes towards mm-hmm. connecting and wanting to have more like natural products and, and natural straight farm to table things. And then also just inviting people into our home. Mm. Like, like I said, we don't have a farm, but we have a table. Yes, girl. Oh, I love that. If we need to go order Mexican and get like a couple of plates of mm-hmm, you know, fajitas mm-hmm. just to have everybody together, mm-hmm. that is such a simple like step that has radically changed our lives and our mm. family's life. I love that. That is so great. I think that kindred is connection to the land beneath your feet, wherever yes. that is. And that's what I want people to do is dig in, invest more deeply where they are instead of being like, oh, I can't gather people because I don't have a yard. I can't right. gather people because I don't have land. I mean, we started when Stephen and I first got married, we're in like a city condo, no yard, yeah, crazy maroon carpet and floor to ceiling mirrors. And like, it was not our style at all. But we like, we just welcome people and we sat around our coffee table and in the living room and ate. And, you know, one of the things that defines a kindred life is doing things with people. I think that a lot of times we feel intimidated, like I have to host a party and it's not about hosting, you know, it's about, let's just do this together. Like a lot of times when we have gatherings here, just with our friends on the farm, it's you bring this, yes. you bring this. And then we, all, it's like, everything's not prepared when people get there. It's like, we all put the tables out. We all put everything out together. We cook things together. And then it's really a shared experience mm-hmm. rather than the pressure being on someone. And that's goes back to that. Yes. Because I think a lot of people don't want to say that initial yes. Cause it's way too intimidating. A hundred percent. Yeah. You're just like, I have a table and it doesn't have to be a perfect table or like, you know, the most gorgeous farm table in the world. It's like, you know, it could be a hand-me-down and you can still put people around that. Look, my tables, I mean, it's kind of cool. My table tables from like the civil (laughs) war era. Ooh. Okay. I got Walmart chairs around it. So it's a perfect, you know what I mean? (laughs) I love what you said about the intimidation factor. Like you don't have to host dinner party. No, no. At all. So, but another aspect of this outside of the intimidation factor is that people are so busy. Yes. Oh my gosh. We have to talk about this. And I think that's, I really loved what you said in that post just about, you were talking about the American dream and it's like, what are we creating here? Like, what is our dream? Like we're working so many hours. We have no time for even our own children. And what is that? Why is that supposed to be the pinnacle of what we're living? And it's so interesting because I wrote about this too. I've been to small villages in India. Africa, Italy, and the experience I've had in other countries with other cultures is like, it is such a slower way of living. And a lot of that is by necessity, but also it's like, this is how the majority of the rest of the world lives. And for some reason in America, it's like the American dream, but it's like, we're busier, we're sicker, we're, we're so unhealthy in our souls and our bodies. So I think this book is really a return to what is good and what brings us together. Yeah. And what nourishes our souls, what nourishes our bodies and our relationships. If you have been trying to grow in the online space or in your small business, but you are tired of nothing working and feeling burnt out in the process, I want to tell you about my course, Run Your Race. 
Run Your Race is a guide to showing up on social media and expanding your reach without falling into the hustle trap. Inside of it, I teach you everything I know about time management, productivity, how to present yourself with things like branding and newsletters and content. We talk about fighting the lies that hold you back and all the things that I've learned about monetizing your online presence. Run Your Race only opens for enrollment a few times a year. So head to crappychristianco.com slash runyourrace to find out when it will open next and to get on the wait list. So if you're like me and you struggle with any combination of stress and anxiety or being on your phone too much, maybe even, I want to tell you about the Abide app. I love this app. Abide is the number one Christian meditation app in the app store, and I've legit been using it for years now to help me fall asleep, to ease me into the day in the morning. I've even used it like mid panic attack. (laughs) So it's based on scripture and it's audio meditations that center you and help draw you closer to Christ. So for a limited time, our listeners will get 25% off of a premium subscription when you visit abide.co slash Blake. So you can get started today with 25% off of a premium subscription by downloading the app at abide.co slash Blake. There you'll get additional stories and meditations, premium music, soothing sounds, and more. And in the meantime, you'll be supporting the show and get 25% off when you go to abide.co slash Blake. That's A-B-I-D-E dot C-O slash Blake to download the Abide app and get 25% off your premium subscription. Okay, let's get back to the show. I love that word nourish that like hits home because like, I mean, that's been a huge soapbox for me lately is how so many different cultures live so differently than us. And you look at their divorce rates and you look at their mental health rates and you look at their obesity rates and you look Mm -hmm. at all these things and they're so much better than ours. And it's like, y'all, we must have gotten this. Yeah. Gotten this wrong. Yeah, because like, look, even some of our most favorite people on the planet, we don't get to see them that often because they are mm-hmm. constantly shuffling between soccer mm-hmm. games and baseball games and softball games and dance. And and like if that like there's no judgment towards that. Mm-hmm. But my question is, is that nourishing you? Is that exactly. nourishing your family? Is that nourishing your soul like it does when we're all together? Like it does when we drop everything and everybody pitches in and we order pizza and we swim all day. Mm-hmm. There's just such a balance that I think so few of us are even close to striking. And I really, the more I think about it, the more it comes down to defining success. Mm -hmm. I feel like I've had this conversation a million times lately, but it's like, do you define success by, and this is going to step on toes, but like what's new, (laughs) do you define success by your kid being the best baseball player? Or do you define success by your kids growing up and still wanting to come home because you cultivated such a place of peace and Mm -hmm. rest that they feel safe and it's sanctuary? That's a hard question to ask yourself. Yep, I agree. And like you said earlier, I don't think there's anything wrong with doing activities. No. And that's a beautiful thing for us to find, like, what are our passions? And Mm -hmm. let's pursue those things. If we want to make, it's carving out time for what really is nourishing. So we're in control of how we spend our time, but yet everyone says time's flying. I, you know, where does the time go? And we have so much time, Mm -hmm. but it's what we're filling it with. Yes. And so, yeah, I think it's all about 
reevaluating, like reclaiming our family's time, reclaiming our own time and saying like, what am I filling this with? Are these things that are nourishing to my family? And if it is going, you know, doing this activity that brings us all together and creates community, then great. But we can't do the 8 million other things too. Right. And then there's certain practices, like I believe we are made for. So I, I really truly believe that God created us to be made for sharing meals with the other people. Like that's biblical. Yeah. Like that has to be time. There has to be time set aside for that. Right. And you can't have community without having the time to sit and actually talk to someone for more than like five minutes at the pickup line or at church or whatever. Yeah. It really is an intentional choice. It is. But what I found, I mean, it's so cool to see the overlap in just the farming life with what I've written about that are hopefully more universal themes, but it's just exactly what I see on the farm. It's like time is required for all good things to grow and for all beauty to emerge out of the dirt and the mess and all the hard things in our life. And it takes courage. It takes bravery to step, step forward to be like, I'm changing and I'm going against the flow in a way. Oh, especially any kind of generational flow. Like, yeah you know, breaking away from what your parents did or your grandparents did or what everybody has done before you, that is so hard. Mm -hmm. Like if you came from a family that lived at breakneck speed and everybody worked until they retired at like 70 or 65 and ate McDonald's and was always on the go, that makes it almost even harder to even like figure out what it is you want because it's all you've known. You're like, wait, is that even an option? Am I allowed? <laughs> yeah, I know. And I just, I, I did write about that too. Cause I just want people to know that it's okay to make a change. Mm-hmm. Like you get to choose when you want to completely change your way of life. And that is okay. to just like, this is no longer working for me and we're just changing it all. I mean, sometimes you do need a radical yeah. transformation and it does take bravery and courage to make that step when it's very different than, you know, your family or your, your community that you live in. So yeah, a hundred percent. Yeah, it's possible for sure. And I hope that it, you know, people are inspired to do that through the book. Absolutely. So in the book, you talk about living a life of a deeper connection. You talk about that connection to land and to community and mm-hmm. life around the table if people are listening and they're like, yeah, yeah, this all sounds great, but uh, what do you want me to do with this? Do you kind of give people in the book like some tangibility, like some help walking yes. forward in it? Yeah. Well, first of all, there's recipe, you know, there's 10 recipes. They're kind of fun. I give a couple tutorials in there of like things that you can do in your own house. At the very end, I talk about having your own kindred dinner because we we do kindred dinners on the farm, but where we like sell tickets and have these like really beautiful long table dinners, but this is for like, how can you do this in your own home, your own backyard? So I do that. And then also through the journaling and discussion prompts, I really wanted those in there because I didn't want someone to read the book and just be like, oh, great. I just read a story about a girl on a farm in Tennessee. Bye. You know, done with that book. I really want it to be something, you know, like, oh, that was nice. I really want it to be something like practical and inspiring. And that, you know, when we read another person's stories, like I love reading memoirs because it doesn't matter if that person's life is so different than yours. Mm -mm. You, if it's, if, if we're talking about those universal human themes, like we take something out of that for our own life. And so that's like my biggest desire is people will just see something in their own life that it just moves the needle a little bit for them. Yeah. But yeah, so hopefully those questions, that's where people can really reflect and say, 
you know, what is it for me that I can change? But like you said, with like what you're doing with, if really connecting to the land beneath your feet, like we talked about investing where you are, but then also like, yeah, going to support local farmers, talking with them doing whatever you can starting a tiny garden. If you want to grow one herb, you know, like I wrote a guide on how to grow basil because I'm like, if you want to start just small, grow a basil plant yeah, and then you can actually eat that and make like the most wonderful foods with basil and like share that with people. You know, we have people all the time that want to come and just like volunteer here or just come and learn from us and, and things like that. So talking to your local farmers, connecting with them. But I think with community, it is really carving out the space to welcome people in and draw them together in some way. So that can be like on a big community level, like in your town, you know, we kind of do that with our farm store that we open up on the land on Saturdays and then our kindred dinners, but community on like a deep level, like who are those people? Do you have two or three people that you're investing in on a regular basis? I like truly know you and it takes like saying no to a lot of other things to be able to have the space for that in our lives. A hundred percent. Well, and and it takes your nose being nose. Yeah. Like gives so, it puts so much oomph behind your yeses is what Mm -hmm. we're learning. You know, mine are only, my kids are only five and seven. And so we're just getting into the busy schedule and we say no to a lot of things because we want to say yes to playing Candyland and eating dinner together. Oh, I love that. You know, like we want to say yes to going and being with family. And so, but that requires us to say no to good things. Yep. Yep. And it's, like we're not saying, yeah. Yeah. Like we're not saying no to like go taking our babies to a rave. Like we're saying no to like <laughs> events that would be really fun, but just aren't, mm-hmm. you know, it doesn't work with our schedule. And I think, I do think that that's another part of it is people are afraid to say no to things because they think they're going to miss out on something. Yep. And I've kind of had to get to a place where I'm like, I don't think I can miss out on the things that God has for me. Oh, I love that. That is such, yeah, that's so, so good. And I think that goes back to what are we created for? Right. So if we're pursuing those things that we're like literally wired for, we will be nourished from that. Like right. we will, that is what we're made to do. And so, yeah, I love that. It's, it's not necessarily saying no to bad things. Yeah. I mean, I homeschool my daughters. My daughters are eight and 11. Um, We've homeschooled since the beginning and we absolutely love it. I love learning together. I love the freedom that we have through that. And I even have to say no to things to protect, you know, like even in that world and it's, there's the temptation to add too many outside activities or fill our time with too many things. And this past year I had to like really pause and be like, what are we pursuing? Like, what is my ultimate goal for them? Yeah. Is it to like check off all these boxes by the time they graduate high school? Or is it to like be whole human beings that like love being with people of all ages and like have a passion for life and like know what they want to do in the world. So yeah, I get that. Whole human beings. I think that that's the goal. Like I want my kids to be whole human beings. Yeah. I don't want my kids to grow up being raised by Netflix and their school. And there's just, and I'm seeing more and more of this. Do you feel like you're seeing that? Like people Mm -hmm. almost like trying to get back to the land. Like even if it's not feasible Mm -hmm. for them to do what y'all have done, I feel like I'm, there's a movement happening. And I think like the shutdown in the last two years have moved people towards that a lot. Like it's like reclaiming. Yes, people definitely. are wanting like you know if you if you were someone that was home 
during the shutdown, you got this glimpse of your family all together. And a lot of the time it was like a make or break. It either you were like, what are we doing? Or it was like, wait, I want more of this. (laughs) Like, how can we be together more? And how can we connect with our community and the people around us more. And so mm-hmm. I'm really interested to see what that's going to look like mm-hmm. as we see people. Cause I mean, if y'all are having people coming to your dinners and they're wanting to, you know, volunteer at the farm, like, I just feel like people are moving towards that. Yeah. It's interesting because I feel like there's two things that happened during the pandemic. There's like people that were all of a sudden had all this extra time to spend with their families. They're like mm-hmm. working from home. They're all together more. And they're like, we'd never want to not do this again. Yeah. And then there were the people that were really isolated from everyone else. And maybe they work from home and never around another person. And so then there's also this like starving feeling for a community. And I think that's what we saw a lot here during 2020. We still opened up the farm and had like outdoor things and pop-up breakfasts and, and things. And, you know, people could still be outside and feel like they were, you know, safer or whatever, but what we saw was just like this deep exhale in people when they came here, like, thank you for having space for us to still connect in some way, because we just like, can't go without that any longer. And, you know, during 2020 and 2021, our farm dinners, we did socially distanced tables and we've never done that before. Like, or we're always like communal table. Everybody sits in one big long table. And it was so great to be able to do that. So people could still have the experience. Mm -hmm. But when we got to return to the communal tables, it was just like, it's next level. Yeah. Because there's nothing that replaces that. Like you're sitting across, like, when do we sit at a table with people we don't know? Like literal strangers. Every time it is foolproof. By the end of the night, people are like exchanging numbers. Yeah. They're new friends. And like, they've sat and listened to another person's perspective. The fact that we're sharing a meal alone draws us together. And then to be able to have like four hours time to talk. Yeah. That's not something we normally have. You've made this point multiple times that like we're drawn to that because it's what we were created for. Yeah. Like there is a natural yearning in, within each of us, some more, some less mm-hmm. to connect and to mm-hmm. be around people. And if you don't have that, maybe you're the one that's supposed to make it. Yes. Like maybe you're the one that's supposed to create it. I tell this story all the time. One of my closest friends that like our husbands are really close. We're really close. Our kids are really close. We do life together. We became friends because she kept my youngest in the nursery at church for like six months. And I finally, one day after church was like, Hey, can we hang out? I feel like we would be friends. Like it was so (laughs) awkward. And like a later asking somebody to a dance, like it was ridiculous, but it's one of our favorite stories to tell now because she's one of my favorite people and she Mm. knows me and we do life together. And like, I don't say that in a toot my own horn way at all, but all it took was like, braving Mm -hmm. the awkward and being like, Hey, Mm -hmm. cause her and her husband would work it together. And my husband and I would drop our kids off. And we just like had this natural conversation and we would like joke and Mm -hmm. laugh and then kind of go our separate directions. And I finally was like, and we did. And now like three or four years later, I love that we lived with them last summer when our AC went out for a week. Oh my gosh. I love that. It does require you making that step and saying that yes. And sometimes it's something as small as buying some herbs and putting them in terracotta plants in your windowsill. Yeah. That's a great start. Start going to a farmer's market Mm -hmm. or connect with a farm, invite people into your home or not. Like if you feel awkward inviting strangers into your home, ask them if they want to go out to dinner. Like that still counts. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, you make a good point. You make a good point that it's like it takes effort. Like people want a change with no effort. Right. And there's a lot of excuses of like, oh, I can't cook or whatever. Well, let's remove that problem. Do it with someone else. Order whatever you need to order, you know, and then still sit down and carve out that time a couple hours. It doesn't have to be the kindred dinners. It does not have to be dozens of people at a communal table with this beautiful setting and farm to table food. It can be four of you Mm -hmm. sitting around like a table at a Mexican restaurant. God is just as much there as he is on a farm. And I think I love that you are someone who is like doing the farm thing that's still like you don't have to go A to Z immediately. Mm -hmm. Like here's some small steps. I think that that's really helpful for people. Thank you. Yeah, it's definitely I don't think everyone's meant to like live on a farm in the country. It's truly about digging in where you are. And so, yeah, that is definitely my heart and hope for people as they read it. So, yeah. So by the time this comes out, your book is out in the world and people can get that wherever they get books. Where can people connect with you and with Kindred and kind of keep up with y'all online? My um, Instagram is organicsteen and then the Kindred Farm and then christinemariebailey.com. And I blog there and stuff. So that's kind of my main website. And then the kindredfarm.com, you can find out our tours and stuff like that. So we host them several times a year. We just finished our spring dinner series. Um, we'll do another fall dinner series. And then throughout the summer, we have our farm store open on Saturday mornings from nine to 12. You can find all of that on our email list. And yeah, we do like pop-up breakfasts throughout the summer. That's and so sometimes cool. we do you pick flower days and stuff. Yeah. So it's super that. fun. We love, we just love everything we get to do. And we're so grateful to yeah. share it with people. So that's amazing. Christine, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. This is such a fun conversation. I feel like we could talk for way longer. A hundred percent. Always. <laughs> All right. That's it for this week. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Crappy Christian Podcast. And hey, by the way, if you super loved it, can you go leave a five-star review wherever you're listening? That'd be awesome. All right. See you next week. <laughs>